ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diet Time is here. That's right, we're talking Hello Mary Lou from night two on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Hamilton High, or as close to that wonderful prom as we could possibly get. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Prom Night 2 in the hopes that a Hamilton High prom goer's end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. And as always, there's only one person I can trust to help me gain my revenge by crawling out of my chest after I've been shot there. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Well, uh, I'm, I'm a little sad recently. Honestly, I I feel a sort of bittersweetness to, to this for, for once. Normally, after we take a couple episodes, to cover a uh, one movie, I, I meet it with some relief. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just uh, sad. I, I really enjoyed this journey, and I, I would have happily spread it out for another three or four episodes. <laughs> there certainly is a ton to cover, but you know we kind of have to pair the deaths together. Otherwise, choose your own death venture doesn't work. And I, as much as I want Prom Night Two to never end, sadly, like all things we love. They all do. And, and much faster than uh, Friday the 13th Part 5. Oh my god. Which we're we still are not still, done, Gina. We still have still, to do one. And we're still talking about it online. <laughs> it, it, the, uh, the journey of Part 5 never seems to end. But, uh, I speaking of endings, I don't want to alarm... That's a terrible transition. <laughs> it's just... It may be the worst one I've ever done. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, <laughs> speaking of bittersweet, uh, no, that's terrible too. Oh, fuck me. You know, usually they just come to me right in the moment. And this is embarrassing. Hey, Gina, I hate to break it to you. We're not, we're not fucking alone. <laughs> It's, you know, that it sounded like it used to be so much fun to do things, and then uh, this happened, and I'm beginning to doubt it as a transitional device entirely. Uh, our special guest is a kill-by-kill all-star, an author whose latest short story collection, Sweet and Low, is available very soon from wherever fine books are sold. The one and only Nick White. How are you doing, Nick? How'd you blow it? <laughs> <laughs> It really, is... I want to know. <laughs> uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of. Do you know that's the author of this motion picture? I do. After I watched uh, Prom Night Two on Amazon, they have that wonderful uh, trivia section, and yes. I was I was very charmed by that. I and he apparently lives out here in Palm Springs, and I have now made it my life goal to get him on this podcast, please. Be- because he obviously gets it. And I want to hear from him how this movie ends and how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else I, I pretty much get. But that one I'd like more information on. I mean, I just can't believe this came out of one person's mind. And the genius was they not only let his vision on the screen, 
when it didn't work out the first time, they're like, why don't you take a week and a hundred grand and refilm a bunch of stuff? It's even better now. (laughs) Far and away. Do you think that like, if he, if you interviewed him, he'd be all right with, boy, I love this movie. What the hell happens in it? (laughs) I try to coach it in that. I understand some of the things that happen in it, but I definitely have a lot of questions that need to be answered. What if you couched it in? I really love this movie. Tell me how much cocaine was snorted uh, (laughs) during the production of this movie. Oh my God. Not, I mean, I would say not nearly enough, but probably the right amount. Right. This, this has a lot of what the fuck going on in it, but it sort of works in the movie's favor as opposed to some of the more farther flung editions of Friday the 13th that we've come across, which feel um, like they're trying to do something and failing. I think this, by and large, is a genuine success because not only does it overshadow in its entirety the original Prom Night, but I would say it is better than most of the horror sequels that came out in and around 1987 when this made its debut. I will totally agree with that. And I think one of the things that maybe has something to do with that is the fact that Ron Oliver has an understanding of what camp is mm-hmm. and he just when mary lou bursts out of that body he gives her he gives her just enough camp i think to uh, make it work for me anyway yes i it, it there's a level of high melodrama and they there are emotional stakes that if you were to come across them in a regular drama you'd be like oh that's a bit high strung but here they all start to make a sort of nightmare logic that works sure nightmare logic you hear it a lot when a movie's just fucking nuts but (laughs) there's also something too when it works when things don't necessarily make uh you know sort of logical sense but they make an emotional sense I think that is very true with this uh, the, this particular motion picture. So, uh, Nick, what was your first exposure to Prom Night 2? I was thinking about that, and I, when I was listening to the episode before this, I think you guys talked about USA Up All Night. Mm-hmm. And I think that is was my first introduction into Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. And I saw it before I saw Prom Night 1. It was years before I saw Prom Night 1 and was very disappointed. Um, (laughs) You could put that on the DVD box. Yeah. Uh, Prom Night, very disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, I was. I was. was. And um, But when I saw it on USA um, Up All Night, I think I was probably 12 or 13, and I only caught the ending of it. And what fascinated me, I think I caught like when um, Mary Lou bursts out of the body, Mm -hmm. uh, of Vicky's body. And um, what I was, what fascinated about, fascinated me about that was that here was predominantly men running away from this woman who was going to like kill them and being someone who had seen scary movies a lot, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's sort of always the guy chasing the girl, and this was the this was the young woman with all this sort of 
great X-Men power, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Who is like chasing the last guy. I forget what his name is. What's his name in the movie? Craig. Craig, chasing Craig. And also one of the things I love about Mary Lou um, is her stance. Like when she stands in the hills, like her legs are sort of like, you know, in sort of like a, some sort of yoga pose, I think, with her legs are just like far apart and she's just there rooted in the ground, very much like Tina Turner stood in her heels in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very Angelina Jolie, here's my leg at the Oscars sort of thing. Exactly. Uh, she comes from a place of power. And I think we're so unused to uh, women having a sense of power in these movies. I find it intensely refreshing and while there are elements of this that are inherently comical, it is not necessarily played for laughs, not in the traditional sense. So that's where I think we get back to what you were talking about in terms of camp. They're in on the joke, but it's not a, a funny pun joke. This is a, can you believe that all this is happening? And just when you think, this is so crazy, I can't believe it, it goes over the top of that. It and, just, yeah, it just puts its pedal to the metal, man. It just <laughs> goes there. And it builds. It, it, it's crazy that, well, we'll get to it. Let, let's let's get started on this, because if, if, if we start freeforming it, we'll, we'll never get anywhere. But uh, I genuinely, having watched the, the entire, the film in its entirety now, I'm kind of surprised how much I enjoyed every element of it. The just from beginning to end, it builds to something that is truly wonderful to watch. And it does take you on a journey that you're, you haven't gotten everywhere else. Speaking of which, let's do a quick body count. Who's still left alive at this point in the movie? Well, let's start with Vicky Lowe. She's, part Mary Lou and she's part Vicky and she's hell in saddle shoes meaning that she actually just goes through a pair every couple of months and then we have Craig he's a man who's confident enough to strap his sweater to himself like it's a bandolier there's something just uh, invigorating about that we have a principal dad aka Billy Northam see kids all it takes is a little bit of person arson and you can become a pillar of the community too And of course, there is Josh, who's a combination of pathetic and terrible that I'm calling (laughs) patheta-terrible. And finally, uh, we have, in terms of human characters, we have Kelly. Uh, She's always hiding a can of Diet Pepsi on her body, even when she's naked. (laughs) And of course, everyone's favorite character in the entire film, hashtag fuckhorse. Ron Oliver's ode to uncircumcised penises. <laughs> <laughs> it's lascivious. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Fuck horse is so awesome. I'd pay a quarter to ride that. I really <laughs> <did>. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that um, the next time we see fuck horse, uh, the art director was instructed to make him's mouth look a little moister. <laughs> <laughs> Make that tongue a little more phallic. Yeah. (laughs) He seems to be full of juices, which (laughs) is hard for... He just drank from the river. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. The river full of Vaseline. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Where is all the moisture coming from inside of that supposedly Purgatory. wooden horse? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but it doesn't stop her from inserting her middle finger into it. She's getting up in there. And she is. There's a lot of her finger inside of its mouth, and it is okay with it. Listen, <laughs> listen. She put on that blue skirt, got her hair done up, put that little frilly stuff on top, and she had no fucks left to give. <laughs> I mean, we will get. Let's let's. Uh, this reminds me because I enjoy it, and it's so inconsequential at the time. Let's just jump ahead to this. At one point. Kelly, while she is dancing with her uh, her off market uh, Alexander Goodenov at the prom, <laughs> she chides him for rubbing up against her, saying, "Come on, you're gonna mess up my hair, and I paid sixty four dollars for this." And I'm thinking that's about fifty four dollars too much. <laughs> it's her regular hair with sprinkles in it. It's like she had a she had a fairy jizz on her perm. <laughs> and not the kind who would have improved it either. Yeah, this is just like the like Christmas decoration is stuck to her head. <laughs> I mean, she looks like uh, my little pony took up residence inside of it. <laughs> I think when I saw this hairdo, it's the first time it clicked with me that I would love to see and would probably invest in an all-drag remake of this movie. Oh my god, yes. Oh yeah, there's some there's some interesting fashion choices at this prom. Mostly from the men, though. Yeah. I, I, every man at that prom looked like they all won fifth prize at a ducky look-alike contest. <laughs> oh my god, so true. <laughs> or... Or they're going to, like, a rat concert afterwards. <laughs> but they're, like, driving the band there, not necessarily attending. <laughs> they, they, they all seem like a ca- a cocaine valets. <laughs> Which a makes lot of... sense. I have a feeling Ron Oliver had a lot of experience with those while he was making this movie. <laughs> It's entirely possible for a prom there, especially one that is primarily held in the dark. There's a lot of sunglasses in that room. What's the neon? Yeah, I guess, you know, their future is so bright. They got to wear shades, but it is yet to be determined how many of them made it out. I mean, this might be one of those Friday the 13th part eight situations. where We don't know how many people actually died in that room. They just chose not to show us. A lot of careers died. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they might have been stillborn. But uh, (laughs) all right, let's get into it. Um, Let's start. We return to the action uh, with Vicky Lou and Craig still setting up the prom. Craig states um, as they watch other people work. I'm just not sure if I'm ready for the real world. To which Vicky Lou retorts, how about some fantasy? Cut to some room with drawings on the wall. I am so baffled by this school that (laughs) seems to have just endless rooms. That, that, That chase scene at the end between Mary Lou and Craig just goes on. It's like a labyrinth. Yes. Of... Rooms filled with Ripley's Believe It or Not artifacts. Like, 
there's like every room is filled with with old timey mansion chandeliers, and then in one room there's a pharaoh's tomb. Just just yeah, resting against the wall. Oh yeah, all all high schools have their own pharaohs too. There's a gay man in the theater department at that school who's really pissed off that they all been fucking with his shit. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, it's like an endless labyrinth. I did not know how big it was because up until this point, it's made it look like you come down a set of stairs and like there's some rows of clothes and some flats up against the wall. And at the by the end of this movie, it is a catacomb that's only missing one minotaur. <laughs> um, before we go any farther, we have to describe these actual drawings on a wall or a flat. I, I don't know where the fuck these came from, but I'll describe them. And if, if you have something different to say about them, please let me know. One of them looks like the creature of the Black Lagoon skydiving. And the other one looks like Rocket Raccoon giving O face. <laughs> this was somebody's uh, abandoned art project. Yeah, but why would you start the camera move on this? Like, th- that was deliberate. Like, hey, something crazy is going to happen. Take a look at something that you may not pay that much attention to if you saw it on a bathroom wall. And now here's Vicky Lou trying to fist Craig. I'm pretty sure that much of the uh, stage direction or the camera direction in the script for this was was show some weird shit. <laughs> just, just just make the audience very uncomfortable. See, I had a completely different reaction because I was sort of hot for Craig watching this again. I was like, man, he's dreamy. And mm-hmm. when when Vicky Lou takes him into this back room. To maybe you know aggressively seduce him yeah aggressively seduce him <laughs> i i'm like oh yeah are we gonna is she gonna like rip his shirt off is this like gonna be this is great and then she gets she just like and it's like no i'm going to say um a gay slur and i was like <laughs> it's not the movie's finest moment it may be true of mary lou to a degree But I also feel that Craig is at a slight disadvantage in that, with with some exceptions, and I'm sure there are, and I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, for uh, some of us in the world, when you get punched in the balls, (laughs) it's not an automatic, here's erection time. She's like driving a stick shift with him. I mean... (laughs) She's just cackling and, and, you know, shrieking at him. And I I guess somebody's into that. I mean, she's uh, she's been out of practice. Let's give her that. She's been locked inside of that trunk um, for a while. And maybe that's some of the issue. I I can't be certain, but it, it just feels so weird to have her. At one point, she just drives her fist into his crotch and is like why isn't this working like have you turned it on and off like how do you think this works i'm just not hitting hard enough listen um she's a product of her time she was a young lady in the 1950s and there wasn't much sex education to go around she made her own sex education by fucking as many dudes as she possibly could there's nothing about the beginning of the movie that gives me the impression that she doesn't know how to make this work 
um, cl- clearly this has worked for her in the past otherwise she would not be so popular with the, with the young men I mean, I, I maybe like uh, when there used to be a trend with people swallowing goldfish. Perhaps there was a trend of just, you know, punching your boyfriend in the balls as hard as you possibly can. Old people, let us know on Twitter. Did you get used to get punched in the balls to get turned on? I think we should call it. We should call it cock blocking. <laughs> Real cock blocking. <laughs> the the two blocks here are his torso and her fist. Yeah. <laughs> Put between those two blocks, they're being squished as hard as they can. She does not enjoy the fact that he doesn't get an erection right away. And I get it. It's frustrating. <laughs> but I'm not... I mean, it, happens, it happens to all men every now and then. <laughs> that's right. Like, Someone just socks you in the sack and you just do nothing but cringe and try to move away. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Craig has been waiting for a while now up until this point. And I have a feeling that all he needed was a more gentle runway into it. But girls have to deal with guys who come on way too strong all the time. I, you know, role reversal payback is a bitch, literally in this case. But I feel that there are better ways to go about getting him hard. When it doesn't work, she just picks him up by the fucking throat and basically responds by going evil dead on his ass. (laughs) Uh, Craig is first choked out and then knocked out um get used to it folks because this is only the first of craig's concussions today yeah, we we need to discuss the biology of this uh when we get to the second <laughs> knockout scene it's torn up in this movie yes he's he's basically in the middle of a diehard movie he's just getting the hell beat out of him and uh i you know i'm okay with that uh, yeah, well, he's, a, fine. he's a great character. I there have so, no there, problem with the character. There was so many different and obvious ways they could have gone with this character, and they didn't. And and I really appreciate that. He was a True. nice guy to the very end, but he just does not know what's going on. And the vast majority of our final girls, as you might say, get torn up through the process of surviving this, you know, very hellacious experience, there's no particular reason why Craig should be spared any of that fate. And what I enjoy about it is that he isn't. Well, fair enough. They'll give me that. Check mark. <laughs> uh, hold on, folks. This shit's about to get weirder. Uh, after Vicky Lou looks right into the camera, basically daring us to say something, Cut to the car sex scene from Titanic. Only Mary Lou is pegging an unwilling Craig while <laughs> his dad watches. Listen, sounds like a great time to me. I don't know what he's <laughs> bitching about. This is legitimately disturbing on a couple different levels. And I don't think I had ever put it together because he is legit bent over with her Behind him, she's having the time of her life in front of da- Principal Dad. And this, is, this isn't really happening to Craig, but it's metaphorically happening to Craig, all for the benefit of Principal Dad. And this is, once again, payback. In the middle of this, blood begins to drip on top of Michael Ironside's head <laughs> because 
Of course. <laughs> we, we don't even know if that was planned or that just happens at three o'clock from Michael Ironside. But he just start, his scalp just starts bleeding or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it does come down in quite a bit of torrents. Um, but yeah, it, inside this car, driving down a hallway, blood dripping down his head. And then he wakes up from this dream. Clutching his skull like it's about to make a quick exit through his mouth. <laughs> yeah, it it and then I go back to that scene of them in the car, and it's just a little window that we see, and everything you said about their positions is correct. But one thing that remains the same throughout every shot is that Lisa Schrage, who mm-hmm. plays Mary Lou, knows her fucking angles. Yes. Why? Didn't she take over the world after this? I find this intensely confusing. There there may be a very simple explanation for it, one that I just don't know. But this is, and we uh, I've heard it several times on Twitter since we began this. She owns this movie. She might only be in it for like, in total, 10 minutes. But every time she's on screen, you can't look at anybody else. And I feel like... The world lost something when she didn't become the biggest movie star in the world based off of this. Where was the follow-up to this? Why wasn't she huge? That's what I want to know. Every time she's on the screen, every gay molecule in my body vibrates (laughs) with joy. It is the same (laughs) way I feel when I'm watching Madonna's Truth or Dare documentary or Feud, Betty, and Joan. Mm Mm-hmm. It is just this wonderful, powerful woman, and I am here for it 95% of the time until she drops the gay slur. Then I'm like, oh, (laughs) why do you hurt me so? Yeah. (laughs) I thought we were going to be friends. (laughs) You know, it was a moment of weakness, and she lashed out. And maybe she could learn from it, Uh, you know, after this. Who's to say? Uh, it, It is... Once again, I've seen this film uh, probably nine or ten times. But every time I restart it, I'm like, I don't remember that. I don't remember this. Like, it's so shocking and fresh and new to me every time I see it. I did not remember this car scene at all. And I'm like, this is haunting. (laughs) Why isn't this burned into my brain? Or maybe my brain just can't accept it and goes... Uh, I want this to be fun for you the next time you see it. <laughs> I think you're over. I think the Michael Ironside uh, blood ejaculation sort of <laughs> takes over more than than the car scene. And before we go any further, we must acknowledge the fact that our previous guest here uh, for prom night, uh, April Wolf, actually got the words "Hello, Mary Lou, prom night two into the Washington fucking (laughs) post (laughs) in a giant editorial about elevated horror. And I just, I, I got teary eyed thinking this happened because like she hadn't watched this movie before we asked her to be on the show and she was so excited about it. She put it in this giant editorial that got read by everyone who reads the Washington post. It's, I just hope more people see it and that it, it 
that these things could give this movie an elevated status to the point where a Scream Factory, a Vinegar Syndrome, a Vestron video, I don't care who it is, come up with a Blu-ray package that shows this film in at proper aspect ratio in the beauty that was it was actually filmed in. Please, for the love of God, please! Rant over! <laughs> And what is Lisa Schrage doing now? I want yes! to know. Well, she doesn't have any credit. She was mostly a TV actress and appears to be in a lot of Canadian TV series. And, hey, man, I wish I was that consistently working in Canadian TV. It's a great gig. Well, her Wikipedia page doesn't show anything since uh, 1999. Correct. That's when it abruptly seems to end. And I really want to know... Why that is? Hey, listen. People can become disenchanted with it. It, it you know, it's a dream for many, but the dream becomes a nightmare. Uh, I just, I want to know because she's so fucking good in this. It seems like why wasn't she great in other things? My dream and, for you is to have her on your show. That's my. Dream I would for love you. it. I would love it. Uh, now that we are done singing the film's praises, let's make fun of it a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's all the dream. Uh, principal dad seeing his uh, son getting pegged in the backseat of a car. <laughs> was it a good dream or a nightmare? He seems to think of it as a nightmare. We don't find out what Craig felt about it. And it, really, that's up to him to process his feelings. <laughs> yeah, and interestingly enough, uh, this is not the only time a, a father will have to confront uh, seeing his child behave in a somewhat sexual manner. and <laughs> Oh my God. Handles it considerably better than the other parent does. <laughs> yes. Yes, that that is very very true. At least Principal Dad screams. <laughs> he seems he seems mildly put out by the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't want this for my son or for myself. Um, but here we go. We're about to we we were singing everyone's praises before, but it's about to go into another gear because we're gonna get what I what I would posit to be the best acted scene in the entire film and that is both the combination of michael ironside flipping the fuck out and being full of nervous bugs getting electric shocks inside of his body <laughs> and wendy lyon playing vicky lou as basically a james bond villain like she comes into this room with all of the power she upsets the entire power dynamic of what you would think would happen here. And Principal Dad is just out of his element. There's nothing he can say. There's nothing he can do. He is frozen in comparison to her basically coming in and saying, Hi, remember the girl you burned alive? She's back. <laughs> I love how she just, it just seems, maybe I'm misremembering this, but it seems like she steps onto that desk in one sort of, like, step. <laughs> That's like the giant lunge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, she comes in wearing, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of sexual uh, dynamo to the outfit. This is basically as hot as uh, Prairie Home Companion could possibly get. I mean, it's um, Pentecostal chic, basically. 
Yeah, that's uh, another interesting thing about this movie is it doesn't take the obvious tack of having everybody wearing really skimpy clothes. I mean, her prom dress has enough fabric to make two dresses. Yes. It is not a film that trucks in nudity as a way to, uh, you know, get across sexuality. It really does come from a power dynamic. The person who is more aggressive about everything has all the power in the situation. And to uh, answer uh, Nick's question, yes, she steps up onto the desk basically in one step. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, I don't know if that was intentional or what, but she stands on it in this giant voluminous skirt legs astride and just plants herself onto michael ironside someone's been doing their jane fonda (laughs) (laughs) for sure Uh, (laughs) and it's once she plants a kiss on him i think she decides right then and there she's going to keep him alive and do something worse to him she's going to make him suffer it's too easy to just kill him right then and there and there's something kind of cool about that. This is where the Bond villain element comes into it. I don't just want to destroy you. I want to break you first. I think my favorite part of this whole scene is when he uh, he finally acknowledges that she is, in fact, Mary Lou. And he, she says, that's my name. Don't wear it out. But she, she drags it out in sort of a Frankenverter, I see you shiver with anticipation moment. <laughs> And it's just, she just says the silliest, like, 1950s slang, like, like, see you later, alligator. It just makes it sound so sinister. Oh, and before that, when she talks about a son, she's like, and she says, um, Craig, he's so cool. What did he want to be? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very good. (laughs) It is better than your average. Like, everything that people like about the middle... Friday the, uh, not Friday the 13th, excuse me. Everything that people like about the middle Nightmare on Elm Street movies is inherently here without having to be over the top corny. And I think it's how it edges towards camp in a very realistic bent to the sort of melodramatic bent uh, is its greatest strength. Uh, as opposed to being just cornball with puns and waka waka waka. Like there's once you hit part four and five and definitely six, like you go at you there's very little difference between Freddy Krueger and Fozzie the bear. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. And we're gonna learn all about it for what feels like several years. <laughs> So cut to a great reunion, and that is Vicky Lou riding fuckhorse. My favorite scene, really. <laughs> and that blue really brings out her eyes. It yeah, does. and I think this is the one scene that everybody who has seen this movie once remembers, when she's just fingering this horse's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and he's just enjoying every minute of it i mean those ears are back (laughs) those red devil eyes are rolled 
That fuck and, horse is having the time of his life. Oh, enjoying. <laughs> listen, who knows how long it's been since he's been ridden this well. And obviously he's going to have to be put away wet. <laughs> In a couple places. But... Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you see what this movie made me do? <laughs> uh, this is legit disturbing. Our brains are bent in the best possible way. <laughs> That's right. We have become warped. And it just uh, gets worse. It just oh, yeah. like it just goes down. I mean, Buckhor summons the god of incest. <laughs> yes. Like... The it's just one of those scenes where like your your mouth cut opens and then it opens a little wider and it opens <laughs> a little wider still, and then you realize, oh, it's on my keyboard, and then you kind of <laughs> push it back up. <laughs> Because no matter how you think this movie is going to turn out, very few people think this is one of the stops you're going to make along the way. I had forgotten about this scene. Completely really? blocked it out of my head. Maybe it's because I'm from Mississippi. I don't know. And I try to block out any representation of incest because being from the South. Anyway. I mean, first of all, let's talk about this in order because there's some some weird deliciousness happening along the way. Dad walks in, sees his grown, graduating daughter riding <laughs> the rocking horse. Just which straddling it. <laughs> straddling it. That rocking horse, up until just the other night, did not have a gaping mouth drooling with a tongue coming out of it and demon red eyes. That would be the first thing that would draw my attention when yeah, I would enter I, my Yeah, I think I would home. walk in the room and say, oh... That's different. It, is, is I that... think I would think I was having a stroke. <laughs> I am having a stroke. This cannot be happening to this rocking horse. Can you, hey, Vicky, can you do me a favor? Vicky, does it smell like burning almonds to you? <laughs> Vicky, Liz. you look so pretty, honey. My left arm is tingling. Is that right? <laughs> Oh, well, the, the funny thing is, they up until a certain point, the uh, the the dad's kind of persona is very much like a nineteen fifties dad, mm-hmm. like like I remember that I remember your, my first prom. I I oh my god, I was, yes, I earned the money to buy your mom her corsage, and and he's just like one step away from just pulling a pipe out and just lighting it up. <laughs> Meanwhile, while he's giving this little, like, walk down memory lane, he's completely ignoring the fact that Vicky Lou is, like, finger-fucking the fuck horse. (laughs) I mean, she's having sex within what used to be an inanimate object while he's going, I remember when I was repossessing cars in high school. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, (laughs) motherfucker. You earned money in high school by repossessing cars? What time was this? And he's just got this, like, nostalgic, faraway grin on his face, like, just totally not even noticing this this, uh, display of bestiality five feet away from him across the room. I ruined so many lives. Of course, it's not an animal it's more like an inanimate animal yeah but it, it, it is alive though because it's responding right. to her her i guess yeah yeah, yeah. molesting it's it <laughs> it's nose moves it's got a tongue this is one of those things that you would notice on a rocking horse that's true if you saw it in the store we'd be like honey we're not buying that. <laughs> you don't need a rocking horse with red demon eyes and a tongue 
And she gets up and just saunters towards him. Yeah. Just uninterrupted. Just like there's very little preamble to his, you look lovely tonight. Fingers still wet from the horse mouth. (laughs) (laughs) In a couple places. (laughs) She just walks up into what should be a very platonic embrace. And begins making the fuck out with him, which he 50% resists. And no, 50 per- no, 20% resists. Honey, he is into he, it. He's he more into it. it than Vicky was in the shower. I mean, uh, not Vicky, but um, who did she kill? kill? Melissa. Melissa. No, no. Melissa. Was it Melissa? No. Uh, I can't remember. Monica. Um, Monica. Yeah, I no, he he looks puzzled. Not not like shocked, not disgusted. I mean, he but you know after like a couple seconds, he looks like he's about to shrug and say, "Well, I guess I'm into incest now." <laughs> and no, it's like it's like well, it's been leading to this, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I didn't come into the room for this, but I'm not leaving the room because of this. <laughs> I'm not into this. I'm not not into this. It's like well, you have a mouth. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, again. He is also out of practice. Like Vicky, who responds to the possible, you know, having sex by ramming her fist into a dude's taint. Uh, (laughs) I don't think he's been having a lot of action lately. That that said, this is not where you want to pick it up. No. God, no. For all of our listeners out there, don't make out with your daughters. If you needed to learn that... Then there you go. The more you know star goes across the screen. Do not endorse that kind of behavior. We do not. Especially when it looks like they're eating each other's face off. (laughs) Yeah, they're not having a good makeout session. That's the other thing. This isn't like, oh, yeah, finally these two are getting together. (laughs) It's all been leading up to this moment. Will they or won't they? That that sizzling chemistry finally comes to a boil. Oh my god! Yes, I mean, there's so many shippers who were like, "Oh, Dad and Vicky Lou, Dad and Vicky Lou." <laughs> so Ross Daddy. and Rachel of the '80s. <laughs> That's right. I was gonna say Daddy Lou. Would that be like what Tumblr would call it? Yeah, oh sure. God. Oh my god! Yeah, they've been on a break her entire life up until this point. <laughs> Listen, the fuck horse just like came animate and um, shit got weird. That's right. Who knows what kind of pheromones fuck horse gives off in a room, but I don't think that should take away any of the blame or shame from dad's response to this. But yeah, he's just like, well, you know, crazier things have happened. And I just don't believe that's true. I don't believe crazier things have happened to that guy. <laughs> I want to know his... his life. I want to know his life where he marries this woman he's married to. He repossessed cars in the 50s. <laughs> and now he's perfectly fine with making out with his daughter after she's been riding an animate fuck horse. Yeah, he's had enough of of his life of dinners consisting entirely of one giant vase of milk and empty coffee carafes. <laughs> now it's time to get his. How long have we spent on this scene? I don't it know. Feels... It's longer than the movie has. <laughs> the movie's I mean, cool with it. It's just like it just like, you know, goes on. <laughs> uh 
unfortunately or unfortunately, depending upon your kink, I'm looking at you, Ted Cruz. Oh! That's right, we're punching up. Fuck off, Ted Cruz. We're not punching Craig's taint, we're punching up. (laughs) That's right. We're taking a different aim at people's porn likes on Twitter. Mom walks in, and to say that she's fine with it would be a great underestimation. Uh, She is not cool with her husband making out with her daughter. I would say Um, this was a legitimate response. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying she's wrong. It's just hard to get on her side after she's been... So, oh, so terrible bad. up until this point. Like she exists to be terrible. Well, of course she's not mad at the dad. She's she she's no. mad at, at Vicky. Well, he doesn't do shit. So why would why would she blame him? No, he he, has... he he stops and kind of like does this thing where he like wipes his mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, but he doesn't seem like. I mean, it seems like what you would do after sloppily kissing somebody you're just like oh i'm a little i'm a little damp let me take care of that not like not like oh my god what happened just am i misremembering this or when she walks in and says what's happening does he turn around and say "Uh uh-oh did that (laughs) that happen no i don't think so but but does he just seem sort of like i guess you're supposed to think he's in some sort of trance or something but again even when he you know evidently snaps out of it he just be like "Mm, well all right let me clean myself up (laughs) <laughs> he's not ready for company at that moment he doesn't say oh oh but every part of his body is communicating that yeah she immediately goes for whore uh and you have to pay your penance yeah she goes she goes into straight out mrs white mode and she also suggests that uh vicky lou see father cooper uh, to which uh, Vicky Lou says, eh, he's busy right now because I fucking killed him. Um, and then she stands in the way. I can't get over the way this woman is dressed. She- oh, so she, she, I can't remember if it was the last episode or the first one where I said she looked like Mrs. Olsen from Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. She just looks like a butcher's wife. <laughs> and and I and I can't figure out like and and again I can't figure out how old these people are supposed to be because Vicky's supposed to be seventeen eighteen she looks the mother looks like she's about sixty. Well, I think that's how people in their fifties, my late forties, you know, mid fifties were portrayed at this particular time. Like when everyone complained about the new aunt in the Spider Man movie, and they're like, oh, they sexed her up. It's like no, people in their fifties just look better now. You're going to have to like pull your shit together that a woman in her 50s doesn't look like an old maid anymore. Well, she she looked like she was surfing me like Diane Weist from Footloose. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. They they wear the the same giant neck parachute. Yeah, I mean they go full into it and, and obviously this plays into the camp value of the movie just, you know, full on you know, sexless you know, covered in fabric from neck to toes, but it, it, she looks like she's wearing a giant apron. <laughs> With a chevron on it, pointing at her crotch. <laughs> this movie cannot get enough of crotch. <laughs> but she stands in the way of the doorway, saying there's no, you're, there's no way you're leaving this house. At which point the camera starts... Uh, starts heading towards her and everyone screams like oh my god no 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 and then 
cut to the outside of the house and she just full up gets defenestrated through that door. Is she so, do we count do we count her as a death? I she doesn't move. Okay. Like she's not well. Let's put it that way. She had <laughs> she had quite an emotional shock before this happens. And then she full on gets thrown through a door made of glass and onto a porch with no padding. And she does not move when, once her head hits the ground. Where I, I definitely think they're, they're taking this as if she's not dead, she's not that far away. Well, listen, and no one's going to care, too, because I was expecting after the end credits to show that the father stayed in the room with the fuck horse. <laughs> <laughs> We we find out later that apparently Vicky Lou had enough time to change the the, uh, the message <laughs> on the family answering machine, so she has some time alone in the house. So maybe something happened to the dad. Oh, too. and I have thoughts about that. I feel yeah. like we have just seen Taylor Swift's source for her song and reputation. Right? <laughs> Taylor Swift is a goddamn plagiarist. <laughs> you heard it here first, Swifties. So. Uh, cut to uh, Craig's bedroom where Principal Dad is checking out his various neck wounds in a way that doesn't weird us out at all uh, <laughs> after what we've just seen. Craig wakes up, you know, where, oh my God, where's Vicky? Where's Vicky? Where's Vicky? And this seems to go on and on and on. Uh, it doesn't really lead to much necessarily, except that Dad finally relents. And when. When Craig sits up on his bed and asks where his shoe is, uh, that is when Principal Dad clocks him on the back of a head like a 1930s Irish cop. Yeah, it has to be asked. How much brain damage is poor Craig going to endure after all this is over? At least Um, a severe concussion. He's concussed. Yeah, he's not even he shouldn't even be able to remember his own name once he wakes up, let alone who Vicky is. No, everything below third grade is gone. Let's put it that way. He's lucky that he doesn't have to relearn how to walk. I the and other what thing is the is, shoe? What is the shoe he's hitting him with? Is it like a wooden clog? I don't know. Maybe it's a tap shoe. <laughs> the <laughs> hardest sold cad <laughs> shoe you've ever seen. That's right. Maybe he's got some sort of like one foot is is uh, one leg is longer than the other he's one. Got and the, it's got the, a the built up heel. Yeah. It's like here. Let me give you one of these disco shoes. <laughs> Oh, it's got oh. a goldfish inside of it. And then <laughs> and then Michael Ironside grabs his cream-colored cardigan. I love that. <laughs> like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and storms out. <laughs> like, I've got something to do. Wait, I want to be cozy. Let me grab my Pamela Voorhees cardigan so yes. I can go dig up a grave. Well, as we see later, he he, you know, appearances are very important to him when it comes to confronting a uh, an evil angel of vengeance. <laughs> That's right. He, all of a sudden, he has a point of pride in how he looks from this moment on, where he's like, "All right, I have my battle armor of a cardigan. Let's go desecrate a grave." Well, I mean, later he he changes into a jacket and tie, and it just suddenly occurred to me that it's a little bit of a touching you know thing that he's gonna see like the love of his life yeah he's he's worn a suit and a tie again to see her I, I Listen, look, after I, I, he like, burned her alive we can all agree the adults are trash in this movie yes i, I gotta look good for my lady 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, before before we get to that, however, uh, we have to get to the aforementioned uh, grave digging. It do, it does not seem to take many movie characters very long to dig up a person's grave. For example, in part five, when we have those two guys who want to dig up Jason's grave to fuck his corpse, (laughs) it barely takes any time at all, but that's taking place in a dream. This is supposedly real life. Once principal dad does get down to the coffin lid, he pulls it open to reveal that uh, father buddy is inside deep throating that, uh, sharp crucifix that he was killed with earlier. When Michael Ironside pulls the crucifix out of the mouth for reasons I don't particularly know, <laughs> it sounds like a duck farted. I was going to say, it sounds like he like pulled a cork out. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is not the Foley artist's greatest day. I Let's just want to know. Way. I just want to know. Like the costume department on how they dirtied up the cardigan. <laughs> like it's just like it's like very much like dirt patches in particular places. Yeah. I just like the image of Michael Ironside being like such a method actor that he like rolls around in some dirt before they film this. <laughs> I could absolutely see that. Yes, I I wouldn't I wouldn't want anything less, quite frankly, than that. Uh, once, once he does extricate that, uh, very sharp court, uh, very sharp crucifix out of, uh, father buddy's mouth. Uh, he then screams to the heavens as if they were best friends. It holds and him. were they, I didn't get the impression that they, I mean, they're obviously acquaintances who knew one another in high school, but they're not talking to one another on the regs. It's not they. we don't have like an exorcist three situation where these two guys have taken different paths in life and they still shoot the shit while they have a roast beef sandwich for, I guess with the Aju coming from the Aju fountain inside of Hamilton high. <laughs> they, but he's like, no, <laughs> like, well, dude, you let, oh, you, you set a woman on fire, man. Like shit comes around. It's not all principal jobs and I fucking the, you know, the local girls yeah, he around takes the high school. Death so much more seriously than he did when he burned alive his girlfriend. <laughs> That's true. That just seems like, oh no, I ruined her dress. <laughs> Cut to prom. Uh, this is when. Uh, Josh takes Vicky Lou's picture and for a moment she glows like Starman. <laughs> Which Oh man, her dance moves oh, yeah. priceless. Oh this <laughs> she is not quite used to 80s music. And I don't know how many of us ever were, but there's not in terms of dancing ability, this is the place where prom night, the original, wins over prom night two. Oh, yeah. Well, they had weeks of practice, as we saw. Yes, and a specialty dance floor. Uh, Here, all the lights are now in the ceiling um, with these sort of neon structures. Uh, And everything sounds like uh, there's a lot of reverb on the drums. You know, absolutely everything is Till Tuesday, some variation (laughs) of it. She's feeling herself. She, she is, is like she sh- in that blue dress, surrounded yeah. by neon, just you know, fucking 
what would we call what type of dance is she doing i'm trying to is that the charleston <laughs> I, I think it's a little bit of an old-timey thing where she's kind of moving her fingers around and you know it looks very much like you know someone's grandma will be dancing at a, at a wedding reception there's a lot of finger snapping finger snapping yeah <laughs> the, there's an overabundance of finger snapping for dancing in the 80s. Let's, let's put it that way. Uh, so, yeah, she has an inner light that apparently can only be captured on film briefly. That never happens again. So, uh, okay. I, have, I, have, I have two observations to, to, that I noted. Mm-hmm. Um, one was that uh, Kelly's date, who I, I don't think we ever saw. Oh, no, he was like kind of like her hanger-on before. He her toady. Yeah. He is you know he has been drinking too much which which she notes and he actually uses the line i drink i get drunk so what's the problem he he busts out some of that spencer's gift keyring philosophy <laughs> and once you utter those words i think we all know what the problem is and he's got this he's wearing this bizarre shirt that kind of has this strange little almost like dracula little ruffle on the front <laughs> listen the 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 costumes in this scene are very strange a, a yeah. lot of the girls seem to be going for some sort of 50s thing and, and i realized that was a thing in like the mid 80s but i don't know that that many people use it at their prom um but i mean there's even there's a couple of girls that have the whole like shirt with the big voluminous skirts and what the men are wearing are it's it's inexplicable Yes. There, there is. They all look like they bought their outfits at a secondhand store, but it's <laughs> a secondhand it's, store for giants. Yeah, everything, every- everything is very oversized. It's very unflattering. They all look like they just got out of bed, like minutes before getting in the limousine to the prom. Nobody looks <laughs> put together. Uh, it's just, it's, it's very, very strange. And I don't know if that's on, a, if it's intentional or, but it's very. You, you can't stop looking at everybody there. And the other observation I made was that apparently Josh is under the impression that Monica has stood him up, which that would suggest that no one has noticed the bank of crushed lockers in the locker room or the pink oatmeal streaming out of it. But Gina, the sign said the locker room was out of order. Yeah. So no one went in. (laughs) Never to go inside of that. Now, the entire room is out of order. Yeah, I wonder how's a locker, how's a room out of order? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how a locker room becomes. Out I'm sure of order. the assistant principal of the school wonders that too, and walks in and sees the pink oatmeal in the locker, and is like, "Oh, that's how a room's out of order." <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, this entire bank of lockers just got just got smushed like a like a piece of tin foil. Yeah, like all uh, this entire locker full of gogurt has exploded. We need someone <laughs> in here to take care of this. Cut to the AV squad, uh, where we learn that a bank of computers actually is a secret Labatt fridge. So this movie cannot get any more Canadian if it tried. While Josh is uh, taking back a tall one, Kelly drops by. His tiny dis- little computer just it, it cracks me up. <laughs> it's very tiny. <laughs> it's very svelte. It's not the I mean, size I- of the computer, but the power of the 
Well, I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of programming power for everything. And I don't know why you would need to calculate a physical ballot. It's addition, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You basically add. Why do we need to put this in a computer? Well, it also has that cool little little, uh, two-color, eight-bit effect that shows their name. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely true. Um, But... You know, she wants this so bad. Uh, and, uh, you know, again... Well, how, well, how big of a competition could this be? It looks like there's about 50 people at the prom. <laughs> That's true. I just don't know. Like, she, we know that she lost with regular voting. So, who was she running against? Did Vicky actually win the vote for this? Is she the most popular girl in school? No. No. I, I mean, she's nice and everything, but at D, no D. point does anyone say, well, everyone looks up to Vicky. Everyone knows Vicky's name. Everyone wants to get into Vicky's giant hoop skirt. <laughs> so, you know, of course she's going to win. And that's why Kelly's like, fuck off. This is the only thing that's keeping me alive. That and a Diet Coke. Yeah, that's right. She's, yeah, she, she has the same sort of... The obsession with with winning prom queen as Mary Lou did, which kind of has an odd suggestion, and this is something you see in a lot of high school uh, movies, in which this is the most important thing that will ever happen to a young woman's life. Yeah, that that it will dictate what you do after high school. That you that you won prom queen. It means so much to her that she's about to go down a road she swore that she would not turn down, and that is. Um, She's going to have to do one particular job if she wants to earn that crown. Uh, And so let's just say that after this scene, Josh's lap is filled with so much hair glitter, you would not believe it. You know, the way this was treated, she actually becomes weirdly sympathetic. Because yes. you could tell she absolutely did not enjoy doing that. And and, and it was a little gross and... and, and you know she's unhappy that she had to do that, and and when when Vicky does win, she just looks devastated. And yes. and I'm tr- I'm trying to think like, what is the audience takeaway from this? That haha, you you deserve that. I'm like no, I I I'm very glad that that her death was relatively understated, and that Josh's death was weird and gross and pro fucking longed yeah. because he deserved that. <laughs> He had it coming. I mean, he had it coming from the moment that he said that his potato radio was going to enter the an- the annals of history, and that sometimes that is uh, somewhat painful. Rent a center, Val Kilmer earned every minute of his awful, <laughs> awful death. Or when he has that brief moment of insight when um, they're decorating for the prom, and he says, "Oh, Vicky's possessed." Total Linda Blairsville. It's like how did. <laughs> How the fuck does this guy have his finger on the pulse of what's happening in this movie? Hey, I don't know. At no point does you get the impression that he has a ton of insight. He's just saying the thing the screenwriter would say in that situation. And they're just trying to make his character too smart for his own good. But then he's also a, a complete asswipe who demands a blowjob to change a who prom queen is it's just gross like if you're gonna uh it's just 
I, I enjoy when he explodes. I, I enjoy that he, he melts like a, a fruit gusher uh, connected to a waltz. Although I, I went back and looked at that scene because in that scene, when the, or if we want to talk about it now, when the, when the electric, he gets like electrocuted for a moment, he seems to be enjoying it. <laughs> it's like he has stumbled upon the best free internet porn he has ever seen. Like this is like 1980s porn hub. He has found it, and his life may never be the same. Can we, for a second, talk about the overuse of ruffles and polka dots in this movie? Vicky's dress is not only ruffled on one shoulder, but she's also wearing Madonna gloves, and she's got black polka dots on this dress. This is the craziest fucking combination of material. And and it it has a, like, a cape built into it. Oh, Josh's uh, bow tie lights up. <laughs> there are four lights on the bow tie. I think this movie must have imprinted on me more than I thought it did because this is like my aesthetic. <laughs> like if I was like, hmm, oversized clothes and pastels? Yes, please. <laughs> bow ties that light up? Uh-huh. Let's put glitter in my hair. Why not? I'm crazy. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I mean, I want to go out, I want to go on author tour dressed like this. <laughs> Just lots of fabric, pastel. I want to pa- do pastel more than B. Arthur and Golden Girls. I mean, I just want to just fuck up this movie in its costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Principal Dad is hunting for Mary Lou with a thirty-two revolver. <laughs> I, I just gets his this, fucking pistol, man. Yeah, you don't shoot ghosts, right? <laughs> you don't shoot the devil out of people, or like he both, both misunderstands ghosts and possession in one fell swoop. Well, see, this is why The Exorcist didn't work the first time, right? Because Michael <laughs> Ironside wasn't there. Fucking Linda Blair turned her head around once. He's coming in there with a pistol and just blowing her away. <laughs> That's right. Problem solved. Ellen Burstyn walks out. I, I want to ask you about this, Nick, uh, in particular, because there's a couple moments that feel like this movie is rubbing it, rubs me the wrong way in terms of its sexual politics. The first is obviously uh, Vicky Lou, uh, you know, calling uh, Craig a, a gay slur. Secondly, is what I'm supposed to in tune as an ew factor when Callie returns to the dance and her Alexander Gudinov knockoff gives her a kiss on the mouth and she's like, no, no, you don't know where that's been. You know what? I th- I think he's fine with it. Just go. I think just he's run. fine with it too. I mean, I didn't yeah. understand. It's like we have just seen a woman finger fuck a horse mouth. <laughs> we have just seen daddy and little girl make out. I mean, we have just seen, you know, a son get like raped in the back of a car, you know, but this is the, this is the gross out moment. Yeah. This is, I don't understand why I understand her not wanting to be physically intimate with anyone else in that exact moment. Nevertheless, him, but I, I just, this is supposed to be payoff or something. And I don't know that it's necessary. It just like, why? 
Like, what are we getting? Why? It sort of felt like um, a little bit of like frat humor that had like found its way into this eighty percent queer movie. Um, we cut back to uh, the AV club where Josh is doing. Uh, he's developing the pictures from the prom already. And he finds the the very first picture he finds is of Vicky, and she's giving a look to the camera like she was just told by a photographer, "Give me baby face, no more." <laughs> and she's ah. <laughs> I I guess that's what happens when your entire body glows when a flash bulb hits it. I'm not sure how that works. Uh, regardless of that. He goes over to the computer and then changes the name in it again because that's something that was happening during the blowjob. He's like, "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> Which I don't hey, don't thank do that. God, thank God he at least did not cross his eyes. <laughs> whoa! <laughs> <laughs> this is where you welcome the subtlety of Doctor Bad News Cruise from a Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven when he gets. Uh, hedge trimmed in the chest to death and looks like he's getting the ghost blow job from <laughs> Ghostbusters. Oh, bad news, yeah. Cruz. I haven't thought uh, of him in a while. Yeah, <laughs> weren't those the times? But he's changing the name yet again. This is when we cut back to the prom and Vicky Lou saunters over to a an extension cord sticking out of a socket and just begins fondling. She gives it a hand job. She gives it the hand yeah. job she should have given to Craig. Yes, this is how you warm a dude up, Vicky Lou. <laughs> but no, part of her ghost powers is apparently she can communicate through the electrical wires. She senses in the prom queen force that she's being screwed out of winning this crown for a second time. Yeah, she flinches. She she acts like uh, like uh, Obi Wan when uh, when Alderaan blows up. Yes, right. She hears a thousand voices crying out in pain and stopping. Only it's those voices not saying, "Mary Lou, you won uh, prom queen," and she just grabs it, yanks on a little, just caresses it in her hand. Gives it a little tug. It's a TJ, a tug job. Yeah, just like. And before you know it, (laughs) I know we've said before, this is the most sexual episode. This is the most sexual episode (laughs) up until the point we reach Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And then it's just going to be all of this all over again. While she's giving the cord a hand job. (laughs) She gives birth to the internet. That's how She sends an email that E is for electrocution. (laughs) As cartoon lightning bolts leap out of a Mac 2 onto the face and hands of Josh. And we get basically 30 seconds of him exploding and every part of juice in his head, like a many fuck horses. Just opens up all around his face. I think he's down with it, honestly. I think it, he doesn't seem to mind. He died. This is going to be reference number one for this. He dies the way Beef dies in Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> Electrocuted with Beef, it seems to be with an electric bolt up the butt. 
<laughs> here, I guess it's more of a face thing because he just got a blowjob. I'm not sure how the sexual politics work, but he enjoys every second of it. Um, he also, when the it first starts to go into his eyeballs, he looks to have the clearest skin he's ever had in the entire movie. I mean, electric <laughs> bolts are a great exfoliant. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then, yeah, he has sex with this computer while it blows up, and then he uh, blood comes all over the screen. It actually happens. Like, he is having, uh, you know, electric sex with this computer. <laughs> There's a lot of sex with inanimate objects in this movie. It really is. It doesn't seem to dissuade the eventual reveal, though, which happens on a on a fat tube TV, uh, giving uh, a star for uh, our our girl Vicky Carpenter. She has won it all. This is her moment to shine, and yeah, poor Kelly is distraught. And to rub it in, Vicky walks. <laughs> right past her and gives her a fuck yeah <laughs> i mean everything about this this happens in slow motion like she should have guns going off in the air like it's bad boys <laughs> uh, it should be noted that she passes uh professor craven who we last saw having his crotch lit on fire for grabbing vicky's ass in the middle of a class Oh, is that who that was? Yeah, while she's walking by, he's, he's just recovered kind of clapping. quickly. I, I just saw like like random like old guy there, and I'm like, oh, I, I guess that's a teacher. Well, that we did learn that that sequence that happens to the flaming crotch sequence was a a, a, a reshoot. So I think they had that slow mo tracking shot of her walking past everyone. They're like, we can't cut away. You know, I guess his crotch got better. <laughs> or something. His crotch may have gotten better, but his time was up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, and this is <laughs> the moment in which the uh, writer and uh, half director of this movie uh, turns to Kelly and says, "Hey, Kelly, how did you blow it?" Which is mean on several levels. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I nobody knew what she was doing, I hope. It's such a catty gay man thing to say, though, too. <laughs> I mean, unless she was known for offering blowjobs for the most minute of favors. <laughs> That's how she got the glitter in her hair. That's right. That's why it was a $64 hairdo and not a $100 she hairdo. Bl- she blew him down to 64 <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She she blowjobbed her way into 33% off. Now that's a bargain. Yeah, that's right. A girl's got to do what a girl's got to uh, do. This is one of our best episodes. Our, our, our finest moments. <laughs> she saved a load by taking one. Oh, oh my god! Oh. I hate you. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> gonna... We're not done yet. Just... You can no, hate I'm, me later. I'm done. I'm 100% done. <laughs> Oh God! Just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna pretend I'm just throwing down my headphones in frustration. <laughs> Fuck this! <laughs> you know who's two not done, of, Mary. Two Lou. years, two years of my life. 
it comes to this. <laughs> eh? Eh? <laughs> but, but wait. There's more. Principal Dad's up to his old tricks. Like any serial killer, he repeats the pattern that gratifies him the most. So he climbs the catwalk above the stage so he can shoot someone multiple times <laughs> instead of lighting them on fire. Like shooting down, too. Like from- Shooting down. <laughs> this is the worst angle to shoot somebody if you're playing, and it's the only plan he's got, is to shoot somebody. Yeah, and, and with remarkable, the same kind of bad aim that led him to drop a stink bomb and accidentally light someone on fire with it. <laughs> that's right. He only does seem to hit her once, but that's all you really need is to get one solid wound to the chest. And it doesn't look like something anyone's going to recover from anytime soon. But But wait, there's more. Craig arrives, and he looks like a man who's had two concussions in 24 hours. Both of them, as a result, you know, what I, I have written down, both of them as the result of fighting Swamp Thing. I think I'm transposing what's happening here. Because uh, he yells at everyone, get an ambulance. And once again, Hamilton High does not respond well to emergencies. No, they're just like stunned silence <laughs> like, and then they just sort of turn around and walk away like, oh well, nothing more we can do here that, she she got it well kelly it looks like you're prom queen you got your wish <laughs> kelly oh, good news bad news <laughs> that's a good news bad news sitch <laughs> but hold on there's more this is when mary lou crawls out of the bullet hole in Vicky's chest. She punches her way out. I want to see how this was worded in the screenplay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one of the ways it was worded in the screenplay. Remember that scene in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge? Oh, right. But now it's with two chicks. Ah, that yes. Is, this is the coming out sequence. From Freddy's Revenge. And I'm kind of here for it. I think it works just as well. Like, if you're going to rip somebody off, do it for a purpose. And I feel like this does it for a purpose. Because now, it's not the tragedy of this girl dying. It's that Mary Lou refuses to allow this to be taken from her again, even if that means she has to crawl out of somebody else's body. And that is fucking awesome. Also, also, I I love the sequence of her going from burned to not burned. It reminded me, or it seemed to be inspired by, and I don't know if this movie came out before Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, but um, Hellraiser. Oh, it definitely came out after Hellraiser. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, then so, it, it, yes, she is definitely gaining energy from the more lives that she takes, the more flesh she seems to have, a la Hellraiser. I think it's an absolutely excellent call for how this is, is working. She she starts off as sort of Tarman from Return of the Living Dead and slowly but surely becomes the Mary Lou we all know and love, just with like... A, a sort of a Kermit necklace of old dead skin. I was going to say, she, she sort of looked like she just had a chemical peel. Yeah. yeah. And her dress is a little singed. 
But it yeah. came back too, right? Yes. She, I think this is, she's gaining energy from taking lives and taking her revenge. Sparks fly everywhere. And I told you I was going to bring it up again. Here's another person who dies like beef from Phantom of the Paradise. Kelly gets killed by a neon lightning bolt. So it's a pretty uh, uh, throwaway scene. I feel the 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 movie kind of builds her up as 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 uh, Vicky's nemesis, and then I think just what happens with her and Josh is just so uh, you know sad and gross. That yeah, well yeah, we'll we'll give her some dignity. We'll just we'll just (laughs) throw a lightning bolt at her. Yeah, Uh, and this is where I feel the the film's budgetary limitations really come into play because they obviously spent the vast majority of their money making the effect of Mary Lou coming out of somebody's chest as opposed to having a full-fledged carry, I'm going to burn the gym down and everyone's locked in the prom, uh, in the gymnasium with me. And... I, I think it's it's smart because I don't think you can out Brian De Palma, Brian De Palma. I think uh, the audience fills in the blanks for a lot of what's happening here. You don't have to see person after person after person be electrocuted and die. You can kind of like put that together in your mind because you've seen it before. And I sort of got the impression that several of these people lived. Yes, she doesn't get everyone. Yeah, because there's a, a, a pretty kind of cool effect when... Uh... She presumably returns to her grave and everything moves very quickly. And there's a lot of people in that parking lot. So I think I think you know the majority of the people did actually manage to escape. And there was no standard scene of like the doors locking by themselves or anything like that, which is, you know, always a big always always a common shot in, in scenes like that where pe- there you know, where you're supplied that someone is trapped somewhere. Yes. I, I think that for the most part, most of the people probably did escape. Yes. I, I think she just, she takes as many lives as she can. Uh, and then, But we can obviously, something is happening because it rocks Principal Dad off of the catwalk and he lands square on his face onto the stage. He has brought with him a crown that he seems to have been holding onto, but we also have the crown that was in the trunk. And then we have the crown that was in the display case. There's a lot of there's a lot of tiara tiaras in this movie. It's like a huge tiara fetish. <laughs> it is. It's like, well, which one of these things is the real holy grail? And, and it turns out that, that this is all she wants. And and I don't know how long it took him to figure out that this is what he needed to give her, because it, it seems like that he if he had just given it to her in the in the principal's office when she visited him earlier, he, he, he could have saved himself a lot of trouble. Yes, he he certainly could have saved a lot of lives. She still may have killed him, but I don't know that she would have killed every. Oh, she still wanted the she still wanted the coronation. Well, true. Okay. Uh, now that she's had the coronation, I yeah, this is where this gets wonky for me. The idea of how all of this works makes very little sense. I do want to say, I want to call out in one particular sequence. Craig runs for his life, and we discover that this, what we thought was just a, a, a storage room, one storage room full of drama stuff, is now an endless maze, a la the basement in Nightmare on Elm Street. But there's one shot where he closes 
this second gate door and looks up, up the stairs, and Mary Lou's shadow appears inside the window of the door, and then, boom, she's right in front of the camera. And it's real, like, I screamed. It's so good. I love that scene so much. I love that sequence of him running for his life, actually, and her chasing him in those heels. Like, I just, there's just something so terrifying and awesome about it at the same time. Yeah, they're, they're, we're getting to very heavily into Nightmare on Elm Street territory because this place is endless. Vicky shows up apparently like, oh, no, I've been fixed. You know, what? <laughs> this, this is crazy. Take me away from all this. And it's only when you see the Mary Lou ring that you realize, aha, she's tricking you. Oh, and uh, uh, J- Josh's body shows up again in the in the uh, in the the the. The sarcophagus that this His happens spins to be around Linda Blair style and says you're yes. in some deep shit. <laughs> yes, the Linda Blair thing pays off at the very least. You got to give it that. I'm just still wondering why a high school has a sarcophagus. Um, maybe they put on a very short presentation of King Tut, the uh, Steve Martin song, at some point during I'm the variety you, show. There's some gay student in the theater department who was waiting to put on Antony and Cleopatra. <laughs> and is going to be so pissed off when he gets back to school. Uh, it looks like Josh has been hitting that Aju fountain pretty hard uh, when he shows up. Uh, every every surface in this drama storage room is covered in filth. The walls look like they've been dripping dirt for the last 30, 40 years. I don't understand how the trunk works. Can someone explain to me... I usually have a very good handle of how, what someone's end game is. Why is Mary Lou sucking Craig into the trunk going to allow her to get her way? I thought that it was a portal into purgatory. Yeah, I, I, because, um, when, when Vicky does, you know, the real Vicky does come back later, she comes out of the trunk and she's covered in the same pink goo that uh that Diane and Carol Ann are covered in after they're rescued yeah. in polter at the end of Poltergeist. Yes, so I'm they thinking got Poltergeist it's, slimed. I'm thinking it's just sort of the same kind of neither world that, that you know she it's not enough that she, she won't kill him. She's just going to make his soul you know trapped in some sort of you know e- eternal place of torture. So if she trades him for her. But isn't Vicky already there? Why does she need two bodies She's there? She's continuing her revenge to the dad, I guess. Uh, that I can buy. Also, it's super weird when Principal Dad puts the crown on Mary Lou's head and they both are like, Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> yeah! I was going to say, it gets a little orgasmic. Jesus, another inanimate object. All of these objects are just primed orifices of sex. <laughs> oh, yeah! It's like, Jesus, if that's what happens when you touch the crown, I am staying the hell away from the scepter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we get Evil Dead Vision as a camera rumbles along the ground through a bunch of people and into a gravesite 
which I I guess we assume is it's Mary her. Lou it's returning hers. to the grave. Yeah, and and then there's a sort of weirdly sweet moment where it flashes back to the uh, the triumphant winning dance of Mary Lou and Billy they never actually got to have. Yes. And, and again, I I I'm puzzled as to how the audience is supposed to feel. Like, I mean, are we supposed to feel good that she uh, she finally got to wear that crown or? Well, she is a tragic. She is an anti-hero. She is a tragic villain. I mean, I thought she, it was a good way, an interesting way to spin it. I just thought it was a little. It it was an odd kind of tonal shift. Yes, I, I will give you that. It, it seems out of place, but I, I think they're struggling to find a, an ending for this movie. Uh, everything's been going according to plan up until this point, and then it just kind of goes off the rails in a wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> when Mary Lou is like <laughs> tearing herself through Vicky Lou's body, so they sort of don't know what to do with Mary Lou after she has manifested herself. Yes, they they know that she needs some sort of comeuppance. They're just not really sure how to make it happen or how to stick the landing. Um, and that's why I feel like it feels like it has three endings. The first ending being. Mary Lou comes, you know, out of someone's body and starts destroying the place. The second ending being the orgasm of having a crown being put on your head and kissing Michael Ironside. I mean, that part I get. <laughs> that that part I can feel. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the third. Uh, Vicky, uh, after seeing one of, one of her two gold crosses just strapped to a wall, Craig prize open this magical chest to find uh vicky covered in poltergeist slime and she's like what 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 day is it larry (laughs) and then craig's like ah i've been burned before i've been punched in the taint one too many times tonight How do you take your coffee? Do you like sugar in it? And she's like, oh, that stuff will kill you. And he's like, (gasps) and then he has an orgasm. (laughs) And then we know everything will be fine. I like how anti-refined sugar this movie is. (laughs) It's very ahead of its day. Um, Then everyone's outside like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Uh, They have some stories to tell. (laughs) It should be noted that... uh, Craig is walking like he took a fist up the hinder. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, here's Principal Dad. And he's like, oh, I am so glad that you two are fine. You know what? I'm going to drive you both home. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Nobody needs to give a statement to the police. No, Nobody no. needs to go to the hospital. Everything's Everything's fine. Vicky's going to be no fine says, when she goes back home and sees her mama sprawled on the street and her daddy <laughs> fuck riding the fuck horse. <laughs> no one in the crowd's like, hey, police, that guy shot that girl. You may want to talk to him for a moment. But he just piles them into his uh, old cutlass in the back seat, then gets in and locks all the doors and rolls up all the windows when the Mary Lou song by Ronnie Hawkins starts to play, and they're like, what, 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 what? <laughs> oh, no, he is wearing Mary Lou's ring on his pinky. And there's nothing more frightening than the idea 
of Michael Ironside wearing pinky jewelry. No, no, there is one thing more frightening, and that is vanity license plates. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Lou, too. Wonka, wonka, wonka. (laughs) Now, did he always have this license plate, or did somehow, you know, the the evil spirits that... uh, that drove uh, drove Mary Lou. Did they just somehow turn the change the license plates? Mary if Lou is can... using her same power that she used to record that message on the <laughs> answering machine to you know do up a personal tag. Yeah, she has shocker powers and she can change license plates. Like uh, uh, what is the weird science? They change the license plates in weird science. Oh my god. What is wrong with my brain, Gina? Why can't I remember things? We've been we've been watching Hello Mary Lou for and talking about it for almost a month. <laughs> I'm just surprised at this moment Professor Xavier didn't come and like recruit Mary Lou to his school for gifted children because I think she would qualify. Yes. I think the problem is now that she's in the body of Michael Ironside, that's going to be really weird for the rest of the uh the class give her a couple because... months to cook and then shoot him and he'll like she'll like crawl out it'll be fine <laughs> that's right let wolverine stab him and she'll like just pop out all right well that's uh, i hate listen i hate to watch uh prom night two go but i love to watch it leave especially michael ironside's butt but <laughs> This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. It's choose your own death venture time. So if you were going to die in one of the ways that happened in our sequence of this film, which would you choose and why? Today, up for bid, we have defenestrated through a bay door after watching your husband make out with your daughter or stabbed with a neon lightning bolt, shockamified by your computer, or possessed by Mary Lou. I assume that uh, Principal Dad is not coming back from this. Okay, uh, Nick, you are our guest, and I choose you to give us your answer first. Oh, from those illustrious choices, I have to pick possessed by Mary Lou, if I'm yes. going to pick one. Like I, as a um, bullied child growing up uh, in Mississippi, I think nothing uh, sort of populated my dark fantasies more than being possessed by some dark figure and turning carry on people so <laughs> yes all the way possess me now uh mary lou i am down we'll go get the fuck horse and have a great time <laughs> perfecto i mean you do know that at some point she's gonna come crawling out of your chest and the gigs up you know price you have to pay Joe. You know you're going to have a good time. I mean, who knows what delights your fist will see from that moment on. Uh, Gina, what say you? Uh, I was going to say that as loathsome as I found the character in every possible way, uh, I'm going to have to take Electrocuted through a teeny tiny little computer. I I just found it to be possibly the most 80s way imaginable that a character could die. It just, there was just something about the way it was shot that it looked like, like a a heavy metal video. And it Mm -hmm. just, and it just amused me so much. (laughs) Well, he did enjoy it a little. Yeah, I mean, he was into it. Maybe I'll be into it. I don't know. 
Well, we're that this the only movie, way to find out is to find out. That this movie is all about just discovering kinks you never knew you had. Oh my god, it totally is. <laughs> it's a giant awakening for everyone who watches it. Uh, speaking of which, I've decided to die by giant neon lightning bolts because if anything gets me closer to dying in a manner portrayed in Phantom of the Paradise, <laughs> totes into it. That is the fetish I've decided to have out of this. <laughs> You're going to ride that fuck horse. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, there's no way I want to walk in and watch my husband making out with my daughter. That's right out. And I cannot truck with that costuming. There's no way I'm going to be mom. Fuck that noise. All right. Well, that pretty much does it. Uh, before we go, Nick, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? TheNickWhite.com and at NickWhite1985 on Twitter. Excellent. And uh, when does Sweet and Low uh, get into bookstores? It'll be out June 5th. Um, and I will be in New York uh, giving a reading then. And uh, you'll see my tour dates on my website. And maybe I'll be coming to a city or town near you. Excellent. Do it today. Look Nick up. And if you haven't already, I'm going to hype up uh, How to Survive a Summer again. It was my favorite book of la- that I read last oh, year. So I nice. loved it, loved it, loved it. And if you haven't read it, you absolutely should pick up a copy. You are going to love it too. Gina, uh, where can people find you on the internet? I write about old television and movies and just general pop culture at GinaRadcliffe.com. And I am on Twitter under Porcelain772. Beware, I am an incredible combative asshole on on Twitter and in ways that I am not anywhere else. Not to our fans, though, just in general. Do do not do not be afraid to at me. I will be I I will be very nice to you. (laughs) There you go. Uh, I was just checking to see if we had a new review on Apple Podcasts because it's been a while. It's been since the beginning of the year since we've had anything new. Uh, in between that time, uh, we had one person who gave us a three-star review, which was really nice. Uh, <laughs> did, not ex- did not explain themselves. Just, you know, eh. Eh. Like, <laughs> You could be better, you could be worse. To quote Mary so, Lou, my, a three-star review, you're good for a taste, not for a swallow. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's so, I think that's accurate. <laughs> more more accurate than perhaps we'd like. So <laughs> I, my challenge to all of our, our newer listeners, I, I know a lot of podcasts ask for you to rate and review them on iTunes. There's a reason for that. It's because you'll be seen by more people. You'll be hyped by more people. And we will spread the blessing and or curse of Kill by Kill farther if you do so. Now, if you tell us what your favorite uh, murder scene was in Friday the 13th or Prom Night 2, we will read it here on the air. That's our solemn promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. And in the meantime, of course, you can catch us in all the regular places on Twitter at Kill by Kill Pod, on Instagram at Kill by Kill Podcast. Uh, we have the Facebook page and group if you want to discuss things in more detail or send us a lovely note online. Um, and that will do it for today. But don't worry, folks. The body count continues 
we're going to take this podcast somewhere it's never gone before. Space! Oh, sorry, I was yawning. We're going to space. Uh, we're going to space with some lovely nits. We're going to meet some incredible Canadian actors. And we're going to stab David Cronenberg through the chest. You're going to want to be here for that. Don't get too attached oh. to him. That's right. We're going to play an all-new game that you have not heard of, but I know you're going to like, called Jamie Lee Curtis or Roasted Peanuts. <laughs> you're, you're going to want to find out why. It's a good one. Uh, and that will do it for today. So for myself, for Gina, for Nick, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.